Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Thursday to you from the Wes and Walker show with sports radio 92.7 WFNZ Wes if you don't mind probably just have to copy and paste the intro from yesterday and apply it today because Brady Christensen we led the show off with his injury breaking news well up to date still the biggest storyline surrounding the Carolina Panthers alongside yep the same storyline that was surrounding us yesterday with JC Horn don't know when he's going to come back surgery's on the table Hitting IR is on the table. If he does get surgery, he could be out for the entire season. Not necessarily. Could be out for 10 weeks and come back for the last month of the season. These guys are dropping like flies, man. And it's really tough to watch things. I hope. I hope they don't get ugly. But it certainly isn't great to see a couple of guys that are starters. One that is a big-time starter in a depleted position in your on your team at cornerback. It's not great. I don't want to hit the ground talking about negative stuff, but it doesn't look fantastic for the Carolina Panthers going into this Monday night matchup against the new Orleans saints. I'm just hoping they can hold on here, Wes, because the the more updates we get, I think T bone put it pretty well on his Twitter timeline or on Twitter yesterday. Every time he refreshes his timeline, more bad news hits. Every time you refresh it, hopefully we can get some positive news. The injuries, definitely, we all know they are part of the game. And so you lose a, a J.C. Horn. But the thing is, you lose it so early. And it, it, it hasn't been a ton of good news for Carolina as of late when you factor in the preseason and all of the things that were said then. And then you factor in now injuries, especially to the offensive line, something a lot of people were worried about. They came in game one, played admirably put together a pretty good performance in game number one, but now you're losing uh, one of your top guys there, especially on that left side. We know that's the bright side. That's what we'll call the left side, the bright side, because they protect his blind side. So that's tough. And then for J.C. Horn, a lot of people are going to – have nightmares because they remember what the Tampa Bay game looked like when he wasn't there, when they played against really good quarterbacks that knew that J.C. Horn was not in the lineup and that they had uh, just all the options available to them as far as where to go with the football. A lot of fans are thinking about that and with some of the quarterbacks you've got coming up on the horizon, Desmond Ritter was very limited in what he could do, but some of the next quarterbacks that you're going to face are not. And so they're going to exploit those matchups. Mike K is the one I believe that had it first yesterday. And when he put out there that when he talked with Brady Christensen, he was going to miss the entire season. And so now you don't have your starting left guard, but I think they can navigate that position as much as any in their starting lineup. Because if you go towards the offensive line, they did draft somebody West that we thought had a shot to take Brady Christensen's starting job anyway in Chandler Zavala. 
The problem is Austin Corbett isn't back yet. He's on IR, going to miss at least four weeks. That one, really, he could come back in week five. It's not going to be the whole, hey, okay, he's going to miss at least, you know, eight weeks or whatever. Maybe he does come back week five. Chandler Zavala goes back to the left spot, and you're going to get a real good look at your fourth-round selection. I, I do wonder if Chandler Zavala and Icky find that chemistry that they had at NC State. And then Savala, there there are positive outcomes here. Not for Brady. You hate to see anybody get injured, and I don't want that. I want Brady Christensen to be out there, but he's not. I do wonder if Savala hits the ground running and run blocking, if you will, because that's his strong suit. And I wonder if they're just going to be able to clear paths for whatever running back gets the handoff, and that's going to be interesting. The J.C. Horn one, though, that one's going to be a lot tougher to navigate. Like when you're talking about CJ Henderson, Dante Jackson, it's going to be really hard. You know, look, well, let's try to find some positives while talking about the negatives here. Let's do it right now. Getting off the bus. Go ahead and open up the doors. Fitting. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn. All right. So Brady Christensen, if he's out for the year, Wes, how bad is this? For the team, just how doomsday scenario is it to lose your starting left guard despite having drafted someone in Chandler Zavala in the fourth round, somebody that you've covered for a while that we both liked when they made that decision? How tough is it going to be for him? Uh, It's going to be tough for sure because this is a offensive line who, again, we keep talking about ad nauseum. When you look at them analytically, 20th best pass grade over the weekend when you talk about pass blocking. And so when you look at this group off of what you saw in the preseason, and this is the 25th best run blocking group, which, like I said, I I thought they played pretty well against Atlanta for the most part. But when you talk about a unit that coming into the preseason, some of the defensive lines they went up against, you got to see the negative aspects of the picture. When you saw them going up against the New York Giants defensive line, now the Dallas offensive line didn't have much trouble with them, but Carolina did. You saw them go up against the New York Jets defensive line. A lot of people are going to have a problem with them. Carolina did as well. So you go up against Atlanta, a team that was near the bottom of the league in sacks last year, and they come out, they made some adjustments, and uh, they they had some new guys in that lineup. And so this was – it was a – a decent test for them, but not a huge test for this group. And so that's the thing you worry about when you start to talk about the injuries and attrition. But one, these guys got to be able to have some offensive success when you talk about running the football well, good pass protection for Bryce Young until that fourth quarter. But this group could start to gain some confidence together. Now you take out Christensen to the group got to reshuffle the unit, and then if they don't come out and have a great game Monday night, then this group maybe starts to lose a little bit of that confidence or start to wonder, hey, are we as good as what we played in week one? Are we the offensive line that played in the preseason? And I think for sure the fans and the pundits alike are going to question the same thing. So I think for them, having to reshuffle the interior of that offensive line, they need to come out and have a good performance to keep the good vibes going as far as the way that they played against Atlanta. Now, I did see that Sheena Quick tweeted out that Panthers offensive coordinator Thomas Brown said they don't want to disturb the continuity Chandler Zavala has going at the right guard spot now by moving him to left guard. Heat fan, thank you as well for texting that in at 704-570-9610. My question is, you're going to have to move him at left guard at some point, right? So this is this is my question. I understand not wanting to disturb continuity. We use that word 
talking about the offensive line as much as any position group that there is in football. Continuity, chemistry, it matters for those guys up front. I totally get it. I don't know if I totally get not moving them over there now in preparation for Austin Corbett's return. If he's going to come back, you're not going to put Corbett at left guard. So just go ahead and put Corbett at right guard once he comes back because he might have been your best offensive lineman overall last year. So put him in the spot that he's best. Savala is a natural left guard anyway, having played most of his snaps there in college. And so I don't know what the difference is, Wes, by moving Zavala now or in week five. If Corbett is eligible then, week seven, week eight, you get the picture. I would just go ahead and do it now in the same sake of continuity, right? Like, let's go ahead and build that chemistry sooner rather than later because the second half of the season, that's when you want to finish strong anyway. I know that this is a monster matchup against a division foe on Monday Night Football. If you want to compete this year, these games matter a ton. Totally understand that. But so does the second half of the season, and you want to hit that. You want to hit that second half with as much preparation as possible. And to me, that means Zavala going to left guard, Austin Corbett going back, and then in the meantime, before Corbett can come back, Nash Jensen can play over there. It's not like he, they weren't options anyway. Right, like at the beginning of the season, I felt very good about Zavala earning that spot. But Nash Jensen, Justin McCray, there were a few guys, Cade Mays, those were guys that you thought might take that spot anyway. I would just go ahead and move Zavala to the left side of the line. Well, the only thing that I could think of is that this coaching staff perhaps sees some limitations with him, especially when you talk about pass blocking. And I think that's something that maybe they're looking at and saying, hey, we don't want to risk putting him over there on the left side. We see the limitations in practice. We see what gives him a difficult time. Now, if you let PFF tell it, he had a 40.4 pass blocking grade. And so I think that this team is looking at it and maybe saying, okay, this guy's best suited to play right guard. Because a lot of coaches, man, they can tell you that looking at the film. A lot of these pro offensive line coaches, offensive coordinators, they can watch his college tape and say, okay, yeah, he's going to be better suited to the right side. Oh, this sounds a lot like Matt Rule telling us. <laughs> is his, are his arms too short, Wes? Is that what you're telling it, me? It just could be technique standpoint, different things that he has trouble with that would give him even more trouble on the left side. And so maybe they feel like that uh, once Austin Corbett returns, that he'll be able to hold it down over there at the left side better than he would. I guess, so does that mean that you mess with Corbett going to the left and Zavala just they, loses? They, they probably feel more confident that he will have more success going to the left side than Zavala would. That's the only reason I would think that they wouldn't move him. That would be very surprising to me. Right? Like, Corbett having a very good year at right guard and then moving him to the left side... I don't know if that makes sense either, just because in the sake of continuity again, you would miss. Yeah, I, I hear your point, by the yeah. way. I'm not saying I don't yeah, understand nah, you're it. Good. I just think for me, even with that being considered, because for sure it's considered, but even with that, I'm still saying, look, we got to put him over there and what he's used to in college, and then we got to bring Corbett back to the spot that he was very good at last year. Well, by default, though, I think, though, when you're watching a guy play, especially linemen, and I talked about how linemen are so versatile, so I think that when they're looking at, you talked about the success that he had, they're looking at him and saying, okay, it doesn't matter which side we put him on, left guard or right guard. Plus, if you were to rank the linemen as far as which ones are the best, well, when you start to rank the guys, and no matter how you want to put the tackles, but then when you go interior, he's going to automatically be better than Chandler Zavala. Chandler Zavala's inexperienced. He's a rookie. He's only played one NFL game. So just by experience alone, I want my best guys on the left side. And so you're going to take him 
and put him on that that left side automatically because he's better than Zavala. All right, Jack, you stop it on the text line. You stop saying those words. He said two words, Walker. Michael Jordan. We'll block you. We'll block you, Jack. We have that kind of power. And honestly, we might have that responsibility if you're going to text in more Michael Jordan stuff. Not only Jack, though. We had a lot of the Michael Jordan references yesterday. I know people were pointing out that he's on a practice squad right now, but you can still pick up dudes from the practice squad. Carolina's been doing that with a couple of cornerbacks now, and we know that is a depleted position where only one guy had to go down for that to be a depleted position, and it happened with J.C. Horn. Let's continue to discuss that on the other side of the break and look at some of these matches. Matchups that will be taking place Monday night between the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. It's Wesson Walker off and rolling sports radio 927 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate you joining us for the next three hours. We'll be with you until three o'clock. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let's go to a couple of these Carolina Panthers topics, the matchups that we have coming up on Monday night. One of the matchups, one thing that will be a disadvantage for Carolina going into this game, Wes, I think we can all agree, it's going to be that J.C. Horn is going to miss this contest. Sure. Now, as we heard from Frank Reich, we know that he's going to miss a couple of weeks probably. Do not have a timeline as much, not at a definitive timeline on when he's going to come back. Surgery's on the table. If he undergoes surgery on his injured hamstring, that could keep him out for a very long time. Now, if you look at what happened, I believe, with Tyron Smith, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had hamstring injury last year, and he came back for the last month of the season. Maybe my Cowboy fan over there, my Jets Cowboy fan in Fitty could help me out with the Tyron Smith injury. But he came back after with, with a month left to go. Maybe that's something that could happen with Horn. But even if he if he misses ten weeks, Wes, I mean, we'll welcome him back in the sense of <laughs> wanting him to play. But a lot of people are going to be very frustrated if that's going to be the diagnosis for him. And he's not playing against New Orleans. And you talk about an advantage they have. I think I don't know if I undersold it. It just a lot of it relied on Michael Thomas coming back. But man, Rashid Shahid, very impressive wide receiver that New Orleans has. So you're talking about a pretty impressive group of weapons in. Chris Olave, who we all can agree is very good. First round pick, very good. 
You look at Rashid Shahid, who was a deep threat, was very good last season. And if you listen to the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny Fitty, I don't know if you knew that. It features her dog. So the Mina Kimes mm. show featuring Lenny, they did a all-nerd team. Frankie Louvu is the poster child of that all-nerd team. Rashid Shahid was on it as well. They love what that wide receiver can do. So now you put him, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, and I'm a fan of Jawan Johnson, also on the team, former wide receiver turned tight end. So an athletic guy that can make plays. I think that is something probably working against this Carolina Panthers team, Wes. If you look at a disadvantage, especially with J.C. Horn out, it's going to be tough, and they're going to have to get after the passer in order to help out that secondary. Talk about a disadvantage. This is a complete receiving trio that they're going to go up against. We know that Olave is kind of balanced. He's got speed, but he's got the routes. He's got everything you want from a young receiver. But then Shahid, this guy brings the wild card element, 40-yard dash of 4.3 that he runs. So this guy is blazing. He can stretch the field. And then you also have Michael Thomas, the OG. So hopefully he's healthy, and this is the guy that's going to work the short to intermediate route. So there's a lot to deal with. And then Jawan Johnson at tight end. So this is a complete receiving core that they're going to go against. And I do think this is a disadvantage for Carolina. Obviously, the pass rush is definitely going to have to be on one for this game because if I wanted to talk about an advantage for the Panthers, I'm going to look at at the pass rush with Brian Burns and with what Derrick Brown was able to do and what this team was able to do against Atlanta because this was a team in New Orleans. Now, they cleaned it up a bit in the second half, but still gave up four first-half sacks uh, to the Tennessee Titans. So I think if the Panthers are going to be able to slow this offense down, it's definitely going to start up front like it does every game, but pass rush is going to be paramount in this football game because uh, Tennessee has some, some pretty good players up front as well, and uh, they were able to get after Derek Carr and the crew. So we'll see if this New Orleans offensive line continues their play from the second half or are they going to be that first half team when they gave up all those things? Well, I mean, just think about what you said for a little bit though, because I don't want to just gloss over it and move on to the next point. You just gave the Panthers pass rush an advantage against new Orleans. We were talking about that as a disadvantage this off season. The fact that you only could rely on Brian Burns, who is still going out there, but you could only rely on Burns and, it was going to be rough on the opposite side of the line. But one thing we would talk about every now and then, Wes, but I don't know if we focused enough on just how good Derek Brown could be in this new scheme. We, we talked a lot about the transition. Okay, maybe it's not a foregone conclusion that he was going to be good, but I did feel pretty damn good that this scheme, multiple scheme, right, having him on the edge and you can line him up in advantageous situations, I thought it was going to work out for him long term. Now, not a great run grade, according to Pro Football Focus, but this is where sometimes the grades don't meet the eye test as much. He was throwing Chris Lindstrom around, the number one guard in football rated last year, throwing him around, like putting him on his bahoony, if you're asking Beth Troutman. <laughs> and so Derek Brown looks good on top of Justin Houston, who I thought looked pretty good in this game, didn't get home, but causing pressure, and Brian Burns looked amazing in pass rush. That's crazy, I, and I'm glad that we have that as an advantage that we were all having big old question marks. Trevor Penning, he got beat down by Arden Key in this game against Tennessee. So the fact that their left tackle that they drafted, I believe it's the second year, Trevor Penning, left tackle, going up against a Brian Burns or whatever pass rusher, even a Justin Houston, whoever's going to be lining up in front of him, right? Derek Carr's going to be under pressure, in my opinion, especially with that offensive line not looking great. I know, again, Mina Kimes is talking about this as well, how Andrews Pete 
hasn't been looking great at the guard, and so I don't know who they're going to have starting interior. But that offensive line might be a weakness for New Orleans. And, man, this defensive line, I, I think you can mitigate the disaster that could be the secondary. You can mitigate that if you get in Derek Carr's face from the interior or around the edge. I, I, I think it's it's not as doomsday as you could have against some other matchups. Like, if you're going against a really good offensive line, yeah, it's going to be hard to sell you rainbows and puppies and all the good stuff. But (laughs) here, like, yeah, I I think there's real reason to have some hope that Carolina can mitigate some of the damage that New Orleans offense can cause. Yeah, when you look at Brown, Houston, Burns, and Frankie Louvu, there were 16 pressures between those four guys. You know what I'm saying? So those are going to be the guys that are going to be responsible for causing a ruckus in that game when you talk about disrupting because when you look at the grades analytically they're they're pretty bad uh in some areas for new orleans specifically a right guard ruiz had a has a 32.2 grade so far uh, this season and pinning has a 54.0 now their interior guys mccoy and hearse they play decent and ramjick has a decent grade as well but uh, a good player yeah. yeah but this is where they're gonna have to make their bones in this football game if new orleans is able to like they said in the second half they cleaned a lot of this stuff up were able to pull out this game but uh th- those receivers are going to be uh tough on carolina they're gonna apply a lot of pressure especially with no J.C. Horn, because it's like at this point, where are you going to roll the coverage? What are you going to do? Because Olave's mostly known as a slot guy, so are you going to have Dante Jackson follow him uh, all day in the slot? No. Olave's physical, too. Yeah, you're not going to do that. So Michael Thomas, he has to pick his poison between Michael Thomas and Shahid. I would think probably Shahid would be his premium matchup, and, and I doubt that he follows anybody, but because of the speed on speed, but you still have weaknesses in those other two positions. You do, but that's a good point. Uh, Dante and Shahid, that, that's the player you want Dante going up against. If you're talking about putting him on a player that can cause some real havoc, then okay, Dante, as fast a guy as there is in most secondaries in the NFL, yeah. so if Dante Jackson can keep up with Shahid, you feel good about eliminating, eliminating that threat, but Michael Thomas... I won't go that far, but... Well, mitigating it too, like just do it. Yeah, I mean Shahid's good, but that's what you if Dante Yeah, he's going up against Dante Jackson though. Man, how good is Dante Jackson to you? Like you think he's not I think on the he's team? Average at best. Well, but I think if you want him, if we can talk about what is his best what where his best position is to be successful, uh-huh. it's against a wide receiver like that. I mean, if 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 you can't limit any damage for the speedsters then Dante isn't physical enough to go against Michael Thomas or Chris Olave. He's not tall enough to go against the wide receivers of the past in the NFC South, like your Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley's Mike Evans. I mean, this is the matchup that you want him on even more so than JC Horn. I'd say. Yeah. Like, I, I, ideally, I only say that because we've seen Dante get beat deep a lot. So that's the only reason I say that a speed receiver, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I think, do we he, see him get beat? Maybe on discipline stuff. I've seen stuff. him getting beat before deep, for sure. I mean, a lot seems strong. Double moves, different stuff like that. I, th- I mean, that, his PFF grades over the years. <laughs> not even that. When you watch him, how many people watch Dante Jackson playing? Like, man, he's a great he's a great corner. No, he's but not. but on go routes is what I'm – yeah, like I'm not saying he's great. I'm saying on go routes, though. Like, to, it, it, 
Discipline has been a problem for him, for sure. I mean, if he, at least earlier in his career, too, you put him on a double move, he'll bite. He'll bite. If you ask him to to turn and run with a guy on a go route, okay, I'll give you that. He he can do that for sure because he can run. But but that's 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 really all. We all know he's going to be attacked more in more ways than that. And I think when you get into the the nuance of it all, a speed receiver. When he's getting him on other types of routes, then he can beat him deep if he gets him guessing. For sure. Shahid is enough of a talented player to hurt anybody, to be honest with you. Good news is that this offensive line is not did not put in a great performance, and that was something that was expected to be a weakness coming into the season for New Orleans, right? Like, we thought, okay, you know, Ryan Ramchek is good. Trevor Penning's going to have to really pick up some steam here going into this season as a young football player. But with this offensive line, there are some concerns there. And even so, here we are talking about this offense. Like, they didn't score many points against Tennessee. It's not like they just went nuclear in this week one matchup, that was kind of a trend across the NFL in week one defense outperformed the offense in most games. And you saw that a lot. So if I think Carr, there was a really cool, uh, mic'd up situation with Derek Carr where he was going to Rashid and saying, Hey, look for this. I'm going to hit you on a go, like be ready. I want you to run. And that was pretty cool. They connected, and that's what iced the game. That's what got Carr over 300 yards. There was a bad throw from him in the red zone, though. We know how many turnovers he had in the red zone his last year with the Raiders. I believe the most red zone turnovers in the entire NFL. So even if they get into the red zone, maybe there's this bend but don't break mentality that Carolina can seize if they allow them to get with inside the 20 yard line. So some interesting stuff. Number also brought up we didn't uh, we didn't factor in Taysom Hill as well. I mean, did he even do anything this past game? I didn't even see what. I I didn't realize Troy Aikman and Joe Buck were on the radio today. Oh, they love them some Taysom Hill. They do. (laughs) Well, they're not. They're texting. Do you think that's John Madden? (laughs) They're texting us right now. Yeah. uh, Taysom only had one target in the passing game, and he had three carries for four yards in the rush game. Like So dynamic. So explosive. He's Yeah, Yeah, but you say that, but we've watched games where he's been a big part of their offensive output. It just goes week to week. It depends on what New Orleans sees that they feel like that they can exploit because we know Carolina's linebackers aren't the best in coverage, and they can exploit that with a guy like Taysom Hill is what I feel like the text is trying to let me tell you something if, if Carolina's linebackers are getting burned in coverage by a a quarterback turn tight end slash running back whatever the hell his position is someone's ass needs to be getting cut it's, it's the guy that I'm worried about less than the top four options with this Saints team yeah I and Taysom I mean, that, Hill's got some success but he's I'm not worried about him as much as I am Shahid Jawan Johnson, Michael Thomas, uh, Thomas, if he's out there, and, of course, Chris Olave, the number one passing option that they have. Now, here's somebody that I'm interested in what people feel about him regarding Carolina. What about DJ Chark, Wes? Because this is an offense that was anything but explosive in this contest against Atlanta. Chark is their most explosive receiver, especially downfield. It. Terrace Marshall Jr., if he wins downfield, it's more so jump ball, getting the ball at its highest point. He's got enough athleticism for sure, but Chark is the speedster. Mingo has a lot of the all-around ability, physicality, speed as well. But Chark, what was it, the 4-3-40 that he had coming out of college? We've seen him when he's healthy, especially in Detroit. We saw him be uh, used in that way, 40-yard bombs, 50-yard bombs, anything like that. How much of a difference do you think DJ Chark can provide for this team? Uh, I think he 
can be a guy to bring that speed, that extra element as far as downfield for them. I think they definitely need to be aggressive and try to hook up with him earlier to try to take the top off of the defense and to maybe open some things up down the line. Um, so, yeah, I think he can come in and, and provide for this offense and, and, and give them another weapon that you have to account for. Now, is it going to be a ginormous impact? Am I expecting 150 yards or anything of that nature? Probably not, but I think that he's a guy that you have to account for. And I think at this time and this point in the game with this offense, especially with them not trying to go to TMJ deep like that in the Atlanta game, I think this is the guy that you bring in to try to provide that deep threat for you. DJ Chark could help you. For sure. I hope he can because that was something Frank Reich addressed. And that's what a lot of the Carolina Panthers fans were talking about after this matchup against Atlanta. It was the fact that you didn't have, and what were they, were 0 for 7 on pass attempts that were anything beyond 20 yards or something like that. It just wasn't working out for them anytime they tried to attack downfield. Now, let's discuss what Frank Reich had to say about all three phases of the game in this contest against the Saints. Looking forward to you know another division game, a home division game against a good football team. Obviously, coming off of a win, they're really good in all three phases. Very well coached, a, a, a very formidable defense. Um, very stingy, you know, nine games in a row, 20 points or less. Very good in the secondary. Good pressure package. Um, very multiple on defense. You know, offensively, they're also very multiple. A bunch of different personnel packages. Obviously, you know, high-level quarterback in Derek Carr, who we have a ton of respect for. Very accurate passer. Very accomplished career. Really a good athlete as well. Can beat you with his feet or his arm. You know, and then special teams, young, but, um, you know, young, you know, kicker and punter. But a very talented group. Um, So it'll be a good challenge for us on Monday Night Football. What do you make of those comments, Wes? I was just for one. (laughs) I made a couple of comments. I get so tired of these coaches saying that, that teams are well coached. They say that all the time. They like, do. Who's going to come out and say, yeah, they're, they're bad coach, man. They, they don't have good coaching over there. Like, they all say that they're, they're well coached. Like, he just told us a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of coach speak. That's all that really was. You know, he, he's, he can make plays with his arm and his feet. No bleep. Like, we know Derek Carr can do that. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, I mean, I think he just gave a very – surface level analysis of the saints, but you know, we, the fans now, I think we're, we're a lot smarter and we can look in and get the details and the next gen stats and things of those of that nature. But uh, yeah, he knows that they're a good football team. We know they're a good football team. And he just gave us the very base level <laughs> reasons why they're a good football team. All right. So if DJ Chark. I, well, coach. How, how big. <laughs> if DJ Chark <laughs> is someone that can help out or, you know, if he's kind of if he's going to be someone that can help in the deep passing game, do you expect him to be the receiver that breaks out in this contest, or is there somebody else that you're looking at, Wes, that could be the guy that provides the most juice? Yeah, I would go with him because I think that perhaps this is the guy Frank Reich is rating on to try to test the limits down the field. And I think that once he comes back into the lineup at 100%, I think that they are going to try to – uh, make some plays down there. So I think he could end up having some real impact plays in this football game because when I look at it, I think that Thielen, he's going to provide some consistency, I feel like, at best. I think he's a guy that can, as we said, short, intermediate. That's what he's going to do. TMJ has a chance to uh, to be able to make some plays. And then Mingo, at this point, we're just not sure what we're going to get from him because he's just so young, so inexperienced. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're going to get from him. He could blow up in this game, and he could not. 
I wonder if they're going to try to manufacture more touches for Mingo in this I game. I think they should. Yeah. So, LaVisca Chenault, Jonathan Mingo, two guys that we use that word for, manufacture touches, give Chenault, you know, four to six, six to eight, however many, right? I know you're kind of looking more at that eight range. Miles Sanders had 18 carries. Chuba Hubbard had nine. And that's ultimately what this team is going to look to do. First and foremost, it is to run the football and then play off of some of the success that you have in the run game. So maybe that helps open some things up regarding Jonathan Mingo. And I wonder with Marshawn Lattimore being on the outside, who Lattimore, so Thielen going out there at on the outside position. Lattimore's a good corner. So do, do you start to attack everybody else that Lattimore isn't on? And so I wonder if that's something that Carolina can start to exploit as well. We'll see how it goes. A couple more days before we get to this Carolina Monday night matchup against the New Orleans Saints. We don't have to wait a couple days, though, for this. We can go there right now. It's time for the first Fitty Flash of the day. It's all right to be a little fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a I thought about playing the uh, the Titanic music for this flash, but it didn't feel appropriate because the Atlanta Braves are not a sinking ship, although they sunk the Mets' hopes of winning an NL East title. For the sixth straight year, the Braves clinched the NL East last night with a 4-1 win over the Phillies, their sixth straight division title. I hate to say it, boys, they're going to enter the favorite to win the World Series, and they're well on their way to having a late 90s, early 2000s run where they win this division every year and enter October as the team to beat in the National League. What you think, Wes? I thought that uh, that was pretty exciting because Atlanta, we know what they represent. They've been good, and so for them to lock down the division, we'll see if they can win another championship. But we know that the, that's the squad around here, man. So I know the Braves fans are hype, and they've been good all year, and they sealed their division. What was the consecutive record before they had that lull? Because it was something ridiculous, like 16 straight division titles, yeah. and then they dropped six straight, something like that. They didn't yeah. win, and then now here they are on a roll again. Listening to Leo Mazzoni on the Kyle Bailey show yesterday. I mean, it's funny to hear such a smart baseball man be in awe at just how much offensive firepower that lineup has. And Ronald Acuna, Matt Olson, you have, um, I mean, Matt Olson is the guy tying Andrew Jones record. I remember watching that Silver Slugger year where Jones was balling hitting over 50 home runs. A lot of fun. And to see Olsen do that. Plus 239. Crazy. Absolutely crazy what they're doing over there in Atlanta, locking up that division title. Atlanta. All right. We got plenty more to get to here on the Wesson Walker Show. Stick around on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back to the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ on a Thursday. Don't you just feel good once Thursday hits, man, because you know it's time for more football. Well, there's been a debate that we've had, except I don't think we've ever had it on the airwaves. And Fiddy has tried to give us something to talk about or, or give us that debate here, like on the mic of what the best day is of the week and what the worst day is of the week. Because you're a Tuesday is the worst day of the week guy, right, Fiddy? Yes. Oh, no doubt. And During I, football season, we're talking every 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 week of ex, of, of of existence. Tuesday is the worst day of the week, and I just don't mind Tuesdays <laughs> as much as Fiddy does. But this is often what Fiddy Tuesday does. Tuesday is fine because you get over what is Monday. Yeah, Monday in sports radio is a pretty good day. Yeah, but, love Monday. But during the summer season and whatever, Monday is still number one worst to me. Because I feel like Tuesday you start to get into the flow of the week. You know you. You're upset the weekend's over with if you get weekends off or mm-hmm. whatever it is. So then Monday comes and you're sad because you wish you'd have got more rest or whatever it was over the weekend. And then once Tuesday comes, you're like, all right, we're in this. Wednesday's stuff. a good day. Wednesday is you get over the halfway point, hump day for a reason. Absolutely. Wednesday's solid. Yeah, but then Thursday you start to perk up. Yep. Optimism comes, especially during football season. Thursday you know, night football, got football too. To come. Yeah. Even if Richard Sherman called those games a poop fest. Yeah. I'm still, good game I'm tonight, though. Still here for the poop fest. Yeah, good game tonight. Hopefully wow. it's competitive. Yeah. That, but Vikings, Eagles, it should be decent. I Yeah. I mean, I didn't expect the Vikings to lose to Tampa. I, I was not high on Minnesota coming into the season. Yeah. I thought that they were going to beat Tampa. You think about that. Here we are talking about the 0-2 starts for teams. It's a bad loss for Minnesota. And before I even realized that Philadelphia was the next team on a short week, you yes. got Philadelphia. I mean, Minnesota, if they go 0-2, what are the chances they make the playoffs after that kind of start? Because it can't be good. The only thing that could possibly save them is their division, but then you also have Detroit and Green Bay there as well. And so, and I like Green Bay this year. <clears throat> I think Green Bay, is, but I think Jordan Love is going to do just fine this year, and I expect Green Bay to finish pretty strong. Even a win as embarrassing as Chicago looked this past weekend. No Christian Watson for Green Bay, who looks like he could have a breakout season too. I mean, you were missing some guys up there in Green Bay, and they still were able to just destroy Chicago. So I really like Green Bay. Really tough loss for Minnesota to suffer that one against Yeah, Tampa. it was, and it is at Philly. So that's going to be a hard, hard, game to get but the desperation man when you have good players and they're desperate because i know minnesota will be playing desperate football tonight so i think that will add some intrigue to this game and the fact that philadelphia didn't look that great against new england so you brought up i think you wrote it down and we could talk about it we were going to get to it in the last segment is this wide receiver trio going to be the best in the league i'd look at minnesota and maybe point to them so Justin Jefferson is better than any wide receiver we're talking about when you put them all in a pool, right? Mm-hmm. Chris Olave is second. But Jordan Addison, I know you're very high on him. I like him too. Caught a touchdown pass. Broken coverage in this past game. KJ Osborne. KJ Osborne's a good one. You might go them just because I think KJ is a very good third wide receiver in this league. And then if you wanted to include the tight ends, 
and I know it's not for the sake of the trio, but if you just wanted to go overall weapons, right? You bring in TJ Hawkinson, who got paid just a couple of weeks ago. That he did. Yeah, Hawkinson's a very good tight end. So I still think that's going to be probably the best group of playmakers that a team has. But New Orleans is very good, and we talked about that last time. Well, hopefully that's the type of trio that Carolina could put out there for Bryce Young at some point. Hopefully. But he doesn't have that right now. His trio looks like it's going to be DJ Chark, TMJ, and Adam Thielen. And so when we look at what he did, and Bryce talked about it this week, talked about turning the page, it's on the New Orleans, all of that good stuff. And so what do we think we're going to see from him? Like, how much do we feel like he's going to improve this week when you talk about Bryce Young and what he's learned and the kind of player that he is? Yeah, I hope that you're starting to take into account the depth of the safety a little bit more so here. So if they're cheating like Jesse Bates was on both of those interceptions, it was the exact same. Hopefully there's some kind of wrinkle in the offense where you have somebody do a similar route that Hayden Hurst and I believe Terrace Marshall Jr. was the target on the second interception. So if you have those guys go over the middle, you look the safety that way, and then maybe you have somebody on the outside just streaking downfield, and then you try to get one-on-one matchup with a DJ Chark or a Terrace Marshall Jr., whoever is running that route over the middle. And we talked about it, Wes. Bryce Young seemed to be looking and targeting the middle of the field, which I like. Just from an offensive philosophy standpoint, attacking the middle of the field is something all the smart coaches do. Sean McVay does it. We just saw Mike McDaniel destroy the Chargers in the middle of the field. And the Chargers were one of the defenses that actually performed among the best, uh, as, as well as anybody, honestly, last year against Miami. Not this season. Tyreek Hill, Tua, they went for almost 500 yards and over 200 yards receiving, you know, with Tyreek and over 400 yards with Tua. So I, I like that idea, and now you just have to have, as they say, the Jimmys and Joes to go out there and execute it, and that seems to be the problem that we have. It's the the lack of talent, the lack of juice that this wide receiver group has. Yeah, and so when you look at Bryce's passing chart, he made most of his uh, money, so to speak, over the middle between 0 and 10 yards. He was 7 of 7 for 59 yards. And that gives him room to run with the yak and stuff. Like I, It does. It's... It's not, I understand the offense didn't look great, but if you look at some of the ideas that they're trying to put out there on the football field, I, I like it. And and now you just need to have the deep passing attack to really open it all up. So if the safety has to account for guys running past them, and then you can start to give the ball to Mingo in the, within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, can you give the ball to, to Thielen just as a possession receiver to move the chains? That's where you can really start. And maybe even LaVisca, you know, it's not like you're having him run this nuanced route. Hey, just have him run across the middle and see if there's any way you can get him open and then pick up some yak because the safety isn't cheating so much. There's room there, right? Especially with Bryce Young learning upon what his first game was. That I think there are signs of where this thing can work, even even with limited, uh, uh, limited skill set with your pass catcher. And so the thing that intrigues me about this as is, we know week to week these teams are going to make adjustments. So they saw that Hayden Hurts was the guy for them last week. You look at Demario Davis. He's one of the better coverage linebackers in the league. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're good. And so uh, <laughs> you know New Orleans is going to target him first and foremost. I feel like their game plan is going to be make these wide receivers beat us. I think they're going to take – I feel like whichever receivers on Marshawn Lattimore – We'll see what type of success they have, but I would think New Orleans will feel good about that matchup. Yeah, they will. Then you talk about Tyron Matthew, that he's a very versatile player, so he can go all over the board, guard your tight end, whatever you want to do there. So I think they're going to put the focus on Hayden Hurst, so it's going to be imperative for these wide receivers 
to be able to do this because this is going to be yet another test for Bryce Young because we know New Orleans can have a formidable pass rush with Granderson and Cam Jordan. We know what he brings to the table. But now you're going to have some guys like a Honey Badger. They can mess with you. They can toy with you the same way that Jesse Bates did to Mario Davis. We know he's an all-around linebacker, so there are going to be some challenges. They're going to say, hey, we're going to take away your main guy, Marshawn Lattimore on that side, playing good football, ready to start this season. So that's going to be a tough matchup too. So I think this is going to be a great challenge for Bryce. I think that he's going to come into this game really prepared. And hopefully, as I said, he downloaded the mistakes that he made. There's also going to be more mistakes, obviously, that he's going to make as the season goes. But this is going to be a defense that's going to present challenges at him, uh, to him in different ways. And so it's going to be fun to see how he's going to be able to hopefully uh, overcome those. All right, let's go to some text here real quickly. We had the what's the best day of the week conversation. 980 said, Monday, you're still riding the high of the weekend. Tuesday is the reality of the long week. So Monday is greater than Tuesday. But Brian wrote in, I'm surprised Fitty hates Tuesdays because there's Taco Tuesday. It's a great point. You don't have any taco surrounding Monday, really. (laughs) You're just talking Taco Tuesdays and the alliteration. I think that carries a lot of weight. Last couple of uh, football texts here. 704 said, why isn't the coach giving Bryce deep shots? Three to four shots a game isn't keeping the defense honest. I've seen Bryce throw 10 plus shots at Alabama. Well, Reich addressed that. He said they called for about, what, four to six and... Bryce Young checked out of it one time. There were other options on those plays that Bryce just didn't go with. There was the one he didn't connect on with Terrace Marshall. People were upset. And I saw a few people post that clip saying Terrace Marshall might have had a shot if he kept running. And so that's one on TMJ, maybe even more so than Bryce just missing him deep. And so you have that. And then formal Tim writes in, what's the idea of going out for a deep threat that's damaged goods? Why do we keep rolling those dice? I guess he's talking about DJ Chark. I I liked the DJ Chark signing when they made it, especially with the limited options out there. What was the other option that you could roll with? If you weren't going to go with DJ, if he's out there, I get it, right? Like, I hate that caveat. You got to crawl before you can walk, man. You just yeah. can't go out and sign Devontae Adams or something like that. I like Chark as a player on the field. I do. It it hurts when he's injured all the time, and that's been his career. It's a legitimate point. But when he's on the field, I think he can cause some problems. No, he's not a number one. He, he's not an alpha out there, but... DJ Chark is a a guy I think that can help you in the passing game. Yeah, so we'll see what Bryce does, what these receivers do. It's going to be a a very fun matchup, as I said. I wish they were playing on Sunday, but got to wait until Monday. So when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, we go to the campus corner, the North Carolina program that you feel the most confident in thus far and why that and more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.